Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Raising Saints, an AM820 production designed for parents who desire to raise the saints in their life. And now, Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt. Hello and welcome once again to Raising Saints, the show for Catholic parents. I'm your host, Katie Wyatt, and you are listening to AM820 St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. And on today's episode, we want to brag about awesome Catholic parents. So we have three guests with us who have awesome Catholic parents, um, and we're just going to find out what it is Catholic parents are doing right to raise such amazing kids. So please welcome Talia, who is a parishioner at St. Catherine and a student at Bishop Hartley. Welcome, Talia. Thank you. And Joey, who is a parishioner at Church of the Resurrection and a student at New Albany High School. Hello, Joey. Hi. And Kira, who is a parishioner at St. Catherine and a student at Bishop Hartley. Welcome back, Kira. Thank you. So if you had to choose which of the following has had the greatest influence on your faith life, would you say it was teachers, friends, religious or ordained, parents, or someone else? Yeah, I would probably say my parents because they didn't put me... um, at the school I went to, which then led to my high school, which mm-hmm. then led to me finding all these people, then I, I don't even know okay. where I would be. Parents and youth ministers. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly parents. Okay. So I think more than we realize our parents yeah. have an impact on who we, are, who we become as, as Christians, for better or for worse, right? Absolutely. Um. In my ministry, in youth ministry, by far the most solid Catholic kids, most solid kids are kids whose homes are found foundationally rooted in Christ. Um, and a lot of times what happens is kids have an, an um, powerful encounter with Christ, but can't sustain it because it's not supported at home. It becomes kind of a burden for that kid. So... Uh, You probably all know how blessed you are to come from really solid Catholic homes. You'll probably learn as you go through life more and more about how blessed you are with that. But there are four areas that I kind of wanted to look at today in terms of what parents, how parents influence us in our faith journey. Four areas there, worship, prayer, service, and morality. So I just kind of wanted to pick your brains about um, your upbringing in those four areas and what your parents did to instill those different things or to um, form you and your faith in those different ways. So let's start with worship. Um, what's what's your family routine in terms of worship, in terms of going to Mass? Um, my family goes to Mass on Sundays. <laughs> do you all get ready at the same time, go to the same Mass? Um, it's probably harder to do as yeah, you all I get mean, older. As, we get, as we've gotten older, we just have to try to find a time during the weekend where we can get there. But, you know, as at a young age, we all <clears throat> uh, went together every Sunday, and um, we're always very um, – it was always a priority, and uh, just that instilled in me from a young age that it is – that's where you have to be on Sunday or during the weekend you have to get to Mass, so – what about you, Kira or Talia? Same, similar story or? Yeah. We're in 11 o'clock a.m. family. Yes, exactly. 8.30 is a little too early. 5 o'clock, you're falling asleep a little bit. Um, so 11 o'clock is pretty pretty uh, consistent. with. That. Is it chaotic getting seven kids out the door to mass for 11 o'clock mass or do you have it pretty much down to a science? You know, 
it's it's always someone's off day <laughs> is usually how it works. But other than that one, everything's good. Do you take one car? No. Well, we, okay. 15 passenger usually. Yes. Wow. wow. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> you guys in 9 a.m. family, Kira? 11 a.m. family? Um, 8 a.m. 8 a.m.? When I was growing up. What? Wow. Especially, my parents love to go to 8 a.m. mass because they, they love it because they have their whole day ahead of mm. them, you know. Um, I've been going at like 5 o'clock, and they'll come with me at 5 o'clock sometimes too just because um, our youth group's at 6, so it just makes sense to pop downstairs after yeah. mass. But, yeah. Do you do you have any family traditions kind of surrounding your Sunday? Like when I was a kid, we would go to mass, then we would go to the candy store after mass, then we would go to my grandma's for fried chicken. Like that was Sunday and it was just what we did on Sundays. You know, did you guys do that? Like do you go to coffee and donuts? Do you Um for me it's definitely always just a family day. So um a lot of times we'll go to my grandparents' house. Um or if not, we'll have We'll spend the day with our family, just us, like normally at our house. We won't be going places, um, and we'll, we'll have family dinner a lot of the time. So just a family-oriented day just to be with each other and kind of relax. That's awesome to hear because I don't think that happens very often anymore. Yeah. Um, any other cool mass traditions in your families? Or um, Sunday tradition. When I was a little kid, we always went to Waffle House after mass, yes. which is like hilarious. Um, <laughs> but no, Sunday is definitely a family day for us as well. Um, yeah, no matter what we're doing, we always, um, it's typically with each other and outside gardening or just doing whatever. Um, but we always have dinner together. That's like our one day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love mm-hmm. it. Uh, um, how was mass presented to you when you were growing up? Was it like? come on, you guys, it's exciting. We're going to mass. Or was it an obligation? Come on, everybody in the car, we're going to mass. Or I don't know what, I don't know if you can really answer that question, but what was sort of the attitude toward mass in your family growing up? For me, it was a combination of both of those. My parents always did portray it in a positive light. And it was something that we should be excited to do to go, you know, be with Jesus on Sunday morning. But um, obviously as a kid, it feels more like an obligation. Like you don't really want to go all the time, but you have to go. Um, so I think that that obligation part of it is definitely important to instill that habit. And just that, that that's what, that's what you do. Um, you go to mass. Um, but I think my parents did a pretty good job as portraying it as something that is positive, not something that is a chore. How would you say your parents have fostered and nurtured your understanding of the mass and the Eucharist? Anything specific that you can think of that they've done to help you appreciate that? I mean, my littlest brother, he just turned two in March, and he's already an expert genuflector, so my mom's doing a good (laughs) job on that. Um, (laughs) So it was like crawling to genuflecting to walking was kind of his stages of progression. Yes. Uh, but my parents absolutely um, helped me to better understand the mass. My mom's always great with helping us to follow along when we were younger in the in the missalettes and to be able to. My dad's always wanted to use the sight of the book and your ears to hear it. So he, just all growing up, I remember following along with the lines in the book. And then, of course, putting the off-dory money in the basket, just really giving something a little more special to each part of it. Being as participatory as right. as you could be. Yeah, exactly. making it more interactive. 
Yeah, that sounds so similar to me. Just <laughs> I can see my mom's finger like gliding across <laughs> the pages as I follow each word and yeah. So why do you why do you guys like mass? I mean, I think that's probably not typical for Catholic teenagers to like going to mass. Mm. Why do you? Why do you think? What do you think made the difference? For me, it gives meaning to the rest of everything that I do. So, but how did you learn that? Like, how did you get in that mindset? Do you think, Talia? You know, it definitely starts with just at home and how. And the more I've noticed, the more that they were oriented to through family prayer or um, just through conversations that we have when we bring our everyday things and we talk about them in the in a larger context of our spiritual lives or of um, like our eternal souls. And when we discuss that, and then we're able to go to church together and have that kind of unity, uh, then that just really helps to foster an even greater appreciation for the mass. Okay. What about you, Joey or Kira? Why do you, why do you love mass? Where, how did, where did you learn that? Um, well, for me, my actual being interested in mass started with an encounter with Jesus, coming to know the Lord and realizing that there's something to the mass that you've been going to every day for your entire life. And then after that, that motivates you to learn more, to learn more what the mass is, learn, you know, that there's meaning to every part of the mass. And it's, to me, it just becomes something that's incredibly interesting and beautiful. And like, I read along in the missile throughout every part of the mass, just cause I, if, if I'm not, I can, I can tune it out and fall asleep if I want to. But if I'm, you know, engaged in reading it, then I actually see what, you know, what the priest is saying through all the prayers, you know, paying attention to all of it. And it's, it's really quite interesting and beautiful. So for me, it's come with having the motivation to learn about the mass which is the encounter with the lord you know having meeting jesus in some way and then after that that sparks the motivation to learn about it and become more interested in it and then once once you know about it then it's enjoyable you can't to me you can't. also once you know about it there's no turning back yeah right yeah like once you know the reality of what's happening at mass you can't you can't go backwards mm-hmm. from that mm-hmm. i don't think um Okay, so that's worship. That's sort of your foundation for worship in your families. Let's talk about prayer. How have your parents modeled an active prayer life for you? Um, for me, a lot like worship, it just kind of came at the foundational level. So praying every night before you go to sleep, you know, I, my parents would always do that with me, you know, in bed and uh, praying as a family before dinner. Um, prayer is just integrated into the culture of my house, um, of my family. So it's just something that I was always familiar with, always taught. It's all I ever knew was, uh, prayer and talking to, talking to God. So my family, you know, we think about, I had to think about that question. What has been the most impactful on my faith life? Um, because in many ways, our maturation in our faith has come through, you know, dealings with maybe youth minister or, um, a priest as we've gotten older, but that foundation, none of that would have happened without the foundation. And so, so much of that foundational stuff, like for me praying every night with my, with one of my parents or praying before dinner every day, um, that just sets the tone for the rest of it. So what about you, Kira or Talia? How have your parents modeled an active prayer life for you? Again, with praying every night, it has been, just really good, uh, just really good to come together because 
you get you you're pulling people from all parts of the house and all parts of their day. Someone's doing their homework. Someone's watching TV. Someone's out back. Uh, someone just got off a phone call, or maybe like two people in the family are fighting. And but they we all come together. Do you all come we, together for family we prayer? Do. Yes. I mean, obviously, if someone's not even there at night, but really, we try our very best to have everyone together for for a family dinner and then also for prayers before the little ones go to sleep and. Just being able to set aside those things that we are doing and just take a minute or two. Some nights are longer than others, depending on what's going on, uh, our time of prayer. But it's really good. And praying as a family, it's hard because you have to become kind of vulnerable, you know, when you're praying with others, especially those closest to you. But that's kind of where I've seen the most fruit in my life is being able to uh, be vulnerable with the people I'm closest to and to surrender all of our worries, concerns as a family over to the Lord and to trust his plan. So what is there a formula? I, because I think some parents are thinking, I don't know how to, I don't know how to get my family to pray together. You know, is there a formula for that nightly prayer in your family, Talia? Or if you begin with the Our Father and then you do spontaneous, and then well, the little, the younger kids, there we have a six-year-old boy, and um, he's always the most like I really want to lead prayer tonight. So we always have a kind of an opening spontaneous prayer for whoever's leading prayer that night, uh, whichever child is. And they'll just say, thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for whatever. Um, and a couple words of praise. And then we go around, we each say an intention or two. And then from there, it's kind of their decision. We can either sing a round of the saints. We can uh, pray a decade of the rosary, whatever, whatever they're feeling that so night. So you, you mix it up, keep it interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. <laughs> So how has having an active prayer life and a relationship with Jesus? Well, first of all, do you do you personally then have an active prayer life? Yeah. Yes. Each of you? Yes. <laughs> Can you tell about it? Like, what does that mean to have an active prayer life? What's your, Kira, what's a day of prayer look like for you? Um, waking up. Um, just going to the Lord first thing. Uh, spontaneously, then um, just time of like meditation, just speaking with the Lord, just in my own little place my chair in my room <laughs> so that so you have a designated place in your room where you go yeah because if i just like lay in my bed we all know yeah fall back asleep yeah, we know so. what happens there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've all um, been there <laughs> i think just like it's very simple like praying like the rosary or something in the car on the way to school or uh, going to daily mass um, yeah and then uh, after school rolls around and we've got by Mercy Chaplet. sometimes we pray together after school with our friends sometimes we pray in the car on the way home and then uh, just evening, yeah. Well. So it's throughout the day for you. There's yeah. there's designated time, and then throughout the day, just like whenever, yeah. yeah, yeah. So how has that? How has that made a difference in your life? Yeah, with that, <laughs> you probably can't envision your life without that. Like that probably yeah. just is your life. Yeah, I think so much of it, and I think like definitely since I've like um, and like praying the rosary every day and like. Asking for the Blessed Mother's intercession more often, I've definitely, like, visibly seen my life change mm -hmm. even more, which is like so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it is. You can't. You can't overstate I mean, it. Yeah. Can you? Yeah. Yeah. I think like my relationship with my parents has gotten so much better, and like it. There's just so much fruit. I, it's amazing. Did you have something to add to that, Joey? No. Uh, not. I mean, the Blessed Mother is awesome. <laughs> that is that is an understatement <laughs> yes <laughs> you know it's funny because you think about how many people in your life tell you pray the rosary you won't believe the fruits pray the rosary you 
but we don't listen. Like until we start praying the rosary, we're like, oh yeah, that's yeah. amazing. I think like just normalizing it, like with your family. Like if you want to pray with your family, mm-hmm. I mean, we're in Columbus. So it takes twenty minutes to get everywhere. That's literally the perfect that's how amount long of it time. Takes to pray the rosary. So like, yeah. just pray the rosary in the car. Like just normalize prayer. Just from the beginning, I think is like so. That's such good advice, Kira, because Catholics are so uncomfortable praying aloud. Unless Mm. it's a rote, memorized prayer, we're very uncomfortable. But Talia, that's why I I love to hear that part of your family prayer time is spontaneous, because Mm. that makes such a difference. Then when we need to come to the Lord with With our own spontaneously, yeah, yeah, we, we are able to do it. Or when we need to help lead other people to Christ in prayer, we're able to do that in a way that's comfortable and and doesn't feel forced. Um, okay, so we've talked about worship. We've talked about prayer. Let's talk about service. Does your family serve together? And if so, in what capacity? The, you know what? This is the most polite group of people. They all keep looking at each other like, you go ahead. <laughs> yeah. you go <laughs> So I'm going to just be rude and jump in. Um, my family, um, so as far as like serving together goes, um, we serve at a soup kitchen downtown together. But I think where I've seen service most within my family is just like, especially like my parents serving each other and like serving me and like learning how to serve from them. I think it's funny that it's most difficult to serve the people that we're closest to sometimes Mm -hmm. and to be charitable to the people that we love the most because they forgive us the most easily. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's really great advice. We feel like to be charitable, we have to go to great lengths Mm -hmm. and, you know, but really, it, it's in little ways in our home. Yeah. What other... Talia, does your family serve together? I saw your whole entire family at the um, Planned Parenthood protest oh. last year. I know you guys served yeah, together. <laughs> it's funny how I just I lose track of just the random things that we're at. Yeah. So, like Kira said, a lot of it, and some of the most meaningful and difficult is at home, just serving each other. Yeah. And then beyond that, Things like, yeah, praying the rosary at the abortion clinics uh, here in Columbus or at parish being the people who stay afterwards and just kind of clean up. Because it's hard when you when you do have, because uh, maybe some people are listening and they either have really busy schedules or or they have, um, like, children to take care of and you can't always take a lot of people to a soup kitchen when you have younger ones. We have gone uh, with the older kids to a soup kitchen at least once this summer, but those making those times can sometimes be difficult, but it is about just wherever you are being of service to the people around you mm-hmm. and trying to be intentional with that. Yeah. It's really important. Yeah. Um, okay. Worship, prayer, service. Let's talk about morality. Do you think you have a different moral code than most of your peers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. In what? specific ways can you be specific so for example what (laughs) kinds of things are just like generally accepted among your peers that you look at and say that's not acceptable um alcohol drugs sex all all the all the fun stuff all the big ones yeah yeah a lot of conversational um Mm. just crassness or objectification or just uh gossip so just in the in the words we use, um, mm-hmm. not upbuilding things. Do you think you're sensitive to that because of the example of your parents? 
for example, I bet in your homes you weren't allowed to say shut up or hate or. Right. <laughs> Am I right about true. that? Yeah. Go yeah. stare at each other on the couch for two minutes and then say three things you like about each other at the end of it. Did you have to do that? Things like that. Yeah. Because <laughs> you, you don't really like change your language or words when you get home from school. I mean, because it's just what it's how you would naturally respond to something. So if there are imperfections, their parents are going to catch them if they're if they're on the lookout. Yeah. So. I think you guys don't even, I think you're not even aware of how much your parents have shaped your moral code. <laughs> oh, yeah. But if you think about the things that aren't acceptable, like Joey, you were telling me the other day how astonishing it is the things that parents, the activities oh, yeah. that parents participate in with their kids. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole different conversation. But I think one thing is like you see uh, things that parents allow. Not yes, participation in the is a whole new level, but uh, and th- we're talking about like buying alcohol for your right, kids or do, right. you know partying with your kids. That you're right, that is a whole different level. But even in more subtle ways, Joey. yeah, just allowing, like knowing that they do it, allowing it, accepting it as okay. Like my parents never would have put up with that, and you know, I had an older sister who I kind of got to see ask my parents to go certain places, do certain things, like. And they would shut it down. So by the time I got out, I was like, I already know that if I ask my parents this, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna say no. Or so, um, and then I I was able to mature pretty quickly in that uh, regard, like understanding why my parents wouldn't let my sister do what she wanted to do. Or I mean, my sister was my my sister was fine, but um, like certain things, just my parents didn't um, bend on their on what they would allow us to do and we knew what we were going to, we knew what we were allowed to do and weren't allowed to do. And we knew there'd be consequences if, um, we disobeyed. So, um, I think that's important, you know, I bet all of you also had to tell you, you started, you kind of were talking about this, but you all had to make things right. If you ever used bad judgment Mm -hmm. or is that right? Did you have to correct bad behaviors? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see a lot of your peers not, having to correct bad behaviors not being required to i think at this age like i don't know how many people's parents actually know what all they're involved in so i don't know if there's that much accountability there for them and i think that can kind of come back to how important it is to share a meal together at night i mean it's just and it can't, sometimes it can't happen every night uh for specific families but if you can do that like that sunday make that sunday special and have that that meal together to be able to share with each other and learn about your kids' lives. Like Kira was saying, uh, it'll go a long way and mm-hmm. it'll be really meaningful. Okay. I know it's a way long way off, but imagine yourself as a parent. <laughs> if, if God calls you to that, right. It, how will you teach your children about the faith? Like what are the things that stick out in your mind about how you've been taught by your parents? What are the things that you're going to hold on to and, and do with your own family? not being desensitized to the whims of the culture or uh, of some of what we see and hear in America today. I, I know my dad's really very good about that. Um, and in the, like in the media that you watch, uh, anytime something comes up, even if you have to keep going over and over again, and you sound redundant, like, no, this is not okay. And this is yeah. why, so that we don't become uh, used to that, to immorality just as a part of our new life. Like, no, that's not right. And this is why. And, that's not who we are. So. Staying on top of all those issues. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's huge. Yeah. And for me, I would just say um, normalizing prayer and knowledge of the faith early on so that it's just a part of our lives. Um, 
and laying that found like when I'm a parent, I want to lay that foundation as well as my parents did. Um, and <laughs> in my mind, I think that I just want to be like really, really strict and not let my kids do anything. But, <laughs> but, but you know, I mean, that's a long way away. That's so. hard. That's a balance too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it's getting harder for parents right. to find that balance. What about you, Kira? Um, I think something that I definitely want to take away from watching my parents as I grew up is um, I just like really now looking back treasure like watching my parents like serve each other and just love each other really well and like showing that as an example for how um, like love should actually be and how we should actually serve one another in a very real way and I want my kids to like grow up seeing that you know yeah yeah I I think I hope that our listeners feel really encouraged by listening to you guys because I think parents can easily get discouraged. If there's one thing I hear over and over again about this program, it's that people get people are really happy to hear that there are still really solid, um, really faith-filled Catholic teenagers in this world because we don't get to see a lot of it. So kudos to you guys. Kudos to your parents. And um, hopefully you've really inspired some of our listeners to Keep plugging along at the parenting thing because it gets really hard. But let's close in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for our wonderful guests today. And we thank you especially for their wonderful parents. And we thank you, Lord, for all Catholic parents. Thank you for the gift of our children, for entrusting us. We ask you, Lord, to help us um, remember that they belong to you and that we need to send them back to you someday. So strengthen us. In our, in our resolve to do that, Jesus. In your precious name we pray, Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to Raising Saints on AM820, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm Katie Wyatt, and until next time, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bye now. Raising Saints is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. Archives of Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt are available at stgabrielradio.com. Medical Association supports your right to know. The birth control pill has been available for over 50 years. When it was released to market in 1960, it was thought to be the miracle drug that would free women's lives and improve family life. However, the pill has major side effects for the woman, such as weight gain, depression, stroke, and heart attack. Modern methods of natural family planning are more than 95% effective and have no harmful effects on the woman or her marriage. To learn more about natural family planning, visit cathmed.org.